0: Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Rebecca, and this is Full Plate, Full Cup. We're startup leaders turned executive coaches who believe that you deserve to be wildly successful and wildly happy. We interview trailblazing entrepreneurs, business leaders, and creatives so you can peek behind the curtain of how they got where they are today and start carving your own path towards success. Each episode shares personal stories as well as actionable takeaways that you can apply to begin living a more joyful and fulfilling life. Join us to learn how to scale your business, harness your power, and fill your cup. If you like what you hear, subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Thanks for listening. All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Full Plate, Full Cup podcast. We are so excited today to have a very accomplished guest And I'm not going to waste any time. I'm just going to dive right in and let you know who is here. So Dr. Darshan Shah is a health and wellness specialist, well-known board-certified surgeon, published author, tech entrepreneur, and the founder and CEO of Butology and Next Health. As an expert on all body systems, he has performed over 10,000 surgical procedures, including trauma surgery, general surgery surgery, and plastic reconstructive surgery. As a health and wellness specialist, he has advised thousands of patients on how to optimize their well-being and extend their lifespan, culminating in the creation of Next Health, the Apple Store of Health and Wellness, offering health span and lifespan extending technology and treatments in a beautiful, welcoming environment. Welcome, Dr. Shah. We are so happy to have you here with us. Thank
1: you for having me, you guys. It's so much fun. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. So Rebecca and I got to meet you, as you know, at uh, an event for entrepreneurs here in New York City. And we were blown away, honestly. Like, I took home so many tips from that event and what also really stuck with us was your personal health journey. so i'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit of what you shared at that event where you were at your kind of personal low point in terms of your own health and what the journey has been from there.
1: yes, for sure. um well, you know, my story is a very typical entrepreneur story, i think. you know, like we we all know being an entrepreneur, you end up spending most of your life Um, and your days and your hours, really wanting your business, which is like your baby to succeed, right? And so I did that when I graduated from medical school and I started a practice in surgery. And um, surgery, it happens all hours of the day and night. And so I was working 14, 16 hour days sometimes um and when you work that much you tend to deprioritize important things like sleep and food and rest and all of those things and i was i was a victim of that that entrepreneurial journey where you know things just picked up really quickly i had a lot of responsibilities i was wearing a lot of hats and i got myself a really big business and and um a really a business that i'm proud of but I wasn't proud of what I'd done to myself in making that business. And what happened was I ended up um, being at the most unhealthy state of my entire life. And, And, you know, being a physician, you think I know how to be healthy and stay healthy. But unfortunately, in medical school, all they teach you really is how to diagnose disease and how to treat that disease with a pill or surgery. So I didn't really have the tools at my disposal to maintain health. And so I found myself a few years ago, um, 40, 50 pounds overweight. And, you know, weight is, isn't the only indicator of health, right? But I had all the comorbidities or the things that go along with being um, obese, which was a really high blood sugar. I was pre-diabetic. I was on two or three different blood pressure medications. Um, I was also having trouble breathing I was having sleep apnea, which is where you lose oxygen in the middle of the night, and it affects Mm -hmm. your brain and your heart, trouble moving, like joint pains and aches because I was having autoimmune issues. And so basically everything that could go wrong under the hood was happening. It was like, you know, a car getting really, really old. You're like, I got to turn this thing in pretty soon. (laughs) <laughs> that was me. Yes. Unfortunately, you can't really turn yourself in and get a new body, right? So so what ended up happening was I decided at that point in my life. Um, and you know what always happens is there's like a very meaningful event, which is a turning point in your life, and that was the birth of my children. And mm. I wanted to be healthy to be around for my children. It was like became extremely important to me. And so that's when I decided to turn my health around.
0: Mm. So yeah. it's so wild to me because, I mean, both Rebecca and I have been working in the health and wellness industry for many years. It is wild to me that doctors aren't taught about health, especially, you know, with everything. I, I, I feel like uh, health and wellness is so front and center in our society. So talk to me a little bit about like, what are doctors taught about nutrition, holistic health, all of that stuff in in their medical training, if anything?
1: Yeah. So now things are getting a lot better. I just mm-hmm. talked to a physician. I- who recently graduated, and they actually had like a week or two of nutrition, a week or two of like exercise physiology. And so I think things are improving in some medical schools. But listen, the problem with disease is that it's so complicated. You need to have an extremely deep understanding of multiple like biological systems and chemistry and how does a body really work and what can go wrong with it. And Unfortunately, the way medicine has developed in our country well, across the entire world is is developed in these like silos, right? You have the cardiologist that learns about the heart because there's so much to know about the heart. You have the neurologist that learns about the brain and then you have surgeons that just do surgery and everything became siloed. And what happened was I think they forgot the fact that our human body is one integrated system everything affects everything else. Even like your emotions affect everything. And what you eat, and the bacteria that live in your gut with you, your microbiome, all of that is affecting everything. And so as we realize more, the body is a more integrated system, medical schools are now teaching that. And what they're doing is they're having these courses on integrated biology and physiology, still not really like, how do you stay healthy? But at least yeah. they're recognizing we need to have a shift of mentality. And we talked a lot about at the event that you were at, functional medicine, right? And so yes. what's amazing and beautiful is this new branch of medicine coming out, which I believe is a unifying factor in all of health, which is functional medicine. And that's where I've kind of dedicated my energies and my efforts in this stage of my life.
0: Yeah. I mean you said two weeks, I was like. I took IIN, right? The Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is like online. I'm like, I think that was like nine months, right? Like, Two oh, weeks, but know. anyway, yeah. Well, it's an improvement. It's an improvement.
1: Right, right. right. It's yeah. better, but not there yet. So yeah. you know, what I tell all my patients is like, you can't outsource your health to your physician. You can outsource disease to your physician, but not your health. That needs to come from yourself and other people like, like you, Amanda and, and Rebecca, the people that have really spent a lot of time understanding health.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned this phrase functional medicine. And I remember when we were at this event, you asked if anyone in the audience knew what functional medicine was. My assumption is that most people there had heard of it, but I recall that no one was able to define it. So would you mind defining functional medicine for all of our listeners?
1: Yes. Okay. So functional medicine is the opposite of Western medicine. So Western medicine, if you diagnose a disease, is like whack-a-mole. It's like, oh, I have this symptom. Well, here's a pill for that symptom. I have this, I have a headache. Here's a pill for your headache. Oh, now my, now my stomach hurts because of that pill. Oh, well, here's a anti-stomach pain pill. You know, like you're just whack-a-mole disease states and symptoms all the time. And what functional medicine does, it takes a completely different approach. The approach is what is causing all of your symptoms? What is the root cause of disease? Because if we can figure out what is the root cause of your particular problems, you'll fix not only all the symptoms, but everything else in your body and physiology will get healthier. So functional medicine is basically a different approach to your health and disease that incorporates investigating and treating the root causes. So what are some of the root causes of disease? Number one, Top and foremost is inflammation. Inflammation is overactivation of your immune system due to toxins, lack of exercise, eating, eating processed food, et cetera. Secondly is hormone dysfunction or dysregulation. All of us are unfortunately genetically programmed to stop making key hormones after 40s. Evolution was kind of done with us after the age of 35, 40. <laughs> and so, so, no. so it's a program to stop making these key hormones and break down muscle, et cetera, et cetera. Thirdly is not living in harmony with our gut bacteria. So uh, the bacteria, viruses, fungi, our microbiome, we are constantly attacking our microbiome that's there to try to protect us with processed food, sugar, medications, et cetera, Right fourthly is um your mitochondria your mitochondria are your powerhouses of your cell that's what's powering every single cell in our body every neuron every cardiac cell and unfortunately our mitochondria are getting sicker and sicker and they're not able to make energy for multiple reasons and so our cells don't have the energy they need to survive so if you can look at these root causes on each person as an individual basis because Amanda, your biology is different than Rebecca's biology, which is different than my biology, and really individualizing a program for people to fix those root causes, then the theory is the diseases will go away and get better. And- that theory is proven in patient after patient after patient after patient like you you can and happen to me myself right like i treated the root causes i got rid of high blood pressure i got rid of high sugar i got rid of obesity i got rid of you know liver issues all this stuff autoimmune disease instead of like taking an immune suppressant medication and three high blood pressure medications the root cause treatment fixed all of that
2: Yeah, it's incredible. And it it, when you speak about it in that way, it does make sense, right? Because all of our systems are interconnected. And the way that we live our lives impacts our health, our health impacts the way that we live our lives. And I remember that you also spoke a lot about stress as well. Um, You asked the audience who here is stressed and almost I think everyone except the two of us (laughs) raised our hands. (laughs) which is kind of, which is kind of silly, but, you know, um, reducing stress in your life is a lot of work within itself, right? And a lot of, a lot of hard decisions. So, you know, when you were at your unhealthiest, how did your physical health impact your career and job performance? Going back to this idea of interconnectivity?
1: Yeah, no, this is, this is a really good question. So when your health suffers, obviously like your, your brain is not thinking as fast as it could. You're not as productive as you could be. You have memory issues. Right. And so, so really what I was starting to see, the first thing that happened to me was I could not focus and I was having, and then, you know, I talked to my doctor, who's a concierge doctor. He's like, Oh, you can't focus. Here's some medication for adult ADD. (laughs) And I'm like, that was a treatment. I'm like, no, that's, I don't want to be on more medication. So what was happening was I was having a lack of focus. I was super tired all the time because of my sleep apnea as well. So a lack of energy. And then I was spending more and more time kind of trying to not be sick and like trying to see doctors and researching medications. And like, it was, I was like chasing my tail with my illness. And so, um, yeah, I was just becoming less and less productive. I was becoming less and less focused. And then what does that all lead to? depression, psychological, you know, psychological issues such as depression, attention, deficit, et cetera, et cetera. So then that start becoming a problem as well, right? And so then you start really chasing your tail and circling the drain. And so that's that's kind of where I found myself. And all of that affects your business, right? You have to be I always tell entrepreneurs you have to be the healthiest person in your business. Okay.
2: Yes. We're gonna
1: we smartest, are totally quoting that
0: you. line. That's it, right. Amanda. That's the quote. That's our quote. Amazing. Done.
1: Perfect. If you're not the healthiest person in your business, then how can you expect others to follow you in Focus and energy and dedication to the business, right?
0: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And we talk about that a lot, right? Like, as leaders, as the founder, as an entrepreneur, being the healthiest person in the business also comes with setting the same standards for your employees that you expect for yourself, right? So, things like if you go on vacation, if you're telling all of your employees, when you go on vacation, don't look at email. You should not be responding to emails on your vacation. It's little things like that, that really set the standard for how the business is run and how your employees treat themselves inside and frankly, outside of work. It's, it's so connected. So, you know, you spoke about, you weren't well, it sounds like the stress was compounding. You're trying to solve one thing. It doesn't work. Then that's stressful. Then the next thing comes up. So on a biological level, how does stress impact us?
1: Yeah. So stress on a biological level is actually a good thing, believe it or not. Okay. So be very, very clear about this. There's a mechanism in our body called hormesis. And if you apply a small amount of stress to your cells and your mitochondria, the powerhouses of your cell, they actually work a little bit harder and they reset themselves to producing more energy, and to actually being healthier. So small amounts of stress in specific dosages are good. So evolutionarily, think about it, right? Like our Caveman ancestors, like maybe they had to run away from a saber-toothed tiger. I don't know. Maybe they had to like sleep in a cold night in a cave and they or they had to um not have food for like a day or two. Those small amounts of stress actually our bodies are used to using them to really rev up systems and fix things so that we can be healthier in the long run. So teaching number one there is having small amounts of stress and small dosages can actually help you. So do things like cold therapy, take a cold shower, um, ice baths, do things like be in a sauna for 30 minutes every other day. And even like at work, if you are hyper-focused, like you ever get into that mode where you're super hyper-focused, you get into a flow state? Oh right? yeah. It's fantastic for your business. That is that is an example of good stress helping Your brain actually too, to create those neuronal connections where you get into flow state and your BDNF, your brain derived neurotrophic factor, which is a hormone that causes your nerves to grow and interconnect actually goes up during those moments. However, here's the key. The key is to interrupt that stress pattern because when stress becomes constant and actually the research shows more than 45 minutes at a time. When stress becomes constant, then what happens is your body starts producing cortisol and the cortisol level stays high. And when your cortisol level stays high, all your other hormones and just your entire body start shutting down. So you start getting more inflammation. The rest of your hormones get dysregulated. Your mitochondria stop working. And that's what makes you sick. So the hack, because we're not going to eliminate stress, right? Running a business right. is stressful. The hack of the business is exactly what you talked about, Rebecca. Like when you're on vacation, don't answer your emails. You need breaks. If you're at your desk, like here, look, I have this egg timer here. I have this at every desk. And I just set this to 45 minutes and I, Stop, get up, move around, which is actually incredible for also mitigating the effects of being sedentary. So if you're sitting at a desk mm. on your computer, you got to get up every 45 minutes and take a, what's called an exercise snack, but interrupting stress is important. So f- at least five minutes, every 45 minutes, at least take your lunch break, at least take your weekends to have a day of self-care and take your vacations and disconnect, all that's really important.
0: So, oh, we're probably asked ask the same thing. How long do we need Amanda. to get up for? Like, you know, if we're saying, uh, and is it okay if you do it every hour, right? Because, you know, meetings are usually an hour, just trying to break it down for the people so that they can really, because this is what we, I mean, this is what Full Plate Full Cup is about, right? We want people who are busy, who are running businesses to be able to integrate tips that make their lives better, not to give them like, well, you've got to do TM for 40 minutes in the morning and 40 minutes in the evening and you have to be vegan, right? Like, How long do you have to get up for? Is it okay if you wait 60 minutes instead of 45?
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, so there is actually like a really good body of research in this. So if you Google exercise snacks research, you'll see there's a lot of papers um, that have actually done good studies on how much time is needed. And the studies all kind of land at about 45 minutes, 30 to 45 minutes in there. So it actually has to be more frequent than an hour. And and so those hour meetings that you speak of, that's actually what's causing us to become more tired and more stressed. So I actually have all my meetings, like on your Google Calendar, you can set this. I don't know if you guys use that, but I'm sure every calendar app has this now where you can only limit your meetings to either 15 30 or 45 minutes, and it won't let you set a meeting any longer than that.
2: Wow. <laughs> so, wow. so yeah,
1: so so you really, I think the number is 45 minutes on the maximal end. And then it's a five minute break. So five minute mental and physiological break. That means your brain and your body needs to do something different. And mm. that's also the amount of time that saves your eyes when you're looking at a screen. So you actually want to look away from the screen during that time as well.
0: All right, great. So, some of our listeners, if you can action this at your business, particularly if you're in charge of a meeting, do it. Give your people a break, 45 minutes, do a little team walk, or maybe take a walking meeting. What about that? Is that, a, is that an, another solution to say, hey, you were like we, we're going to keep talking, but I'm going to take you on a walk with me, right?
1: Incredible yeah. solution. Yeah. I mean, I know Tim Cook does all of his meetings as walking meetings. And so, you know, I think if you have the luxury of being able to do that, that is a fantastic idea.
0: Mm-hmm. We're gonna do that next on Friday, Rebecca. Our next meeting. (laughs) I love it. And hey, if anyone here gets
2: up after 45 minutes and starts walking in circles around the room, no love lost. Yeah.
0: Totally. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. When did you have the aha moment to start Next Health? When were you like, I need to take everything that I've learned professionally, personally. I'm going to make this into a business. And also, what is the mission of Next Health?
1: Great. So basically what happened was when I was at my sickest and I couldn't find any help and I wasn't getting better, I took a lot of time off and I took time off to go to every conference. Like I went to the IIN conference Mm -hmm. and uh, training courses, like how to train people in the gym. I went to all the functional medicine conferences I could find back then, which there weren't a lot, believe it or not, about eight years ago when I started this journey, but Through that, I learned how to get myself healthy and it only took me like eight months really to have a massive change in my health, you know, and I found that there was about 20% of the stuff that I had learned that made 80% of the difference. So it was actually not that complicated. That's the Pareto principle. Like, What what is the top three or four things that you can do that will make 80% of the difference? Just focus on that. And so, when I was able to get myself healthy, and then also was talking to a lot of my patients on how to get healthy before their surgery, and it was working for them, the aha moment was wait a minute, like, why is no one doing this? Like, let me, <laughs> I, I need to be able to spread this message. And so, that's when the aha moment came to start Next Health. And Next Health, I call it a health optimization and longevity center. So, it's kind of like the opposite of a doctor's office. You don't go when you're sick, you go when you're mostly healthy and you feel like you just want to stay healthy and you want to improve your life. Now we do take care of sick people because we have a functional medicine approach, but we want to get them healthy from, you know, like that grounds up root cause mentality. And so Mm. the mission of Next Health is to spread the word and give people a place to go to add health and wellness on a different level to their routines. So at Next Health, we have kind of like a little biohacking center. We have cryotherapy, heat sauna, Mm -hmm. ozone therapy, um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. We have all these therapies that we know Will improve your health, but we put it all under one roof. So you can just go in once a week and do all these different things that we know make a difference, um, scientifically proven difference in your health. But also, we work you up from a functional medicine standpoint. So we do a big blood panel and we sit down with you and say, "Okay, here are the levers that you can pull to improve your health." Whenever I do one of these speaking engagements, is usually to a group of business people, right? And I always ask everyone. Who here in the audience runs their business without ever looking at any KPIs or looking at them once a year and only having a consultant tell me what they mean? Nobody, right? You're not going to run your business not looking. You look at KPIs on a daily basis, right? So why do you manage your health that way? Why do you manage your health by not looking at your KPIs more than once a year? Why do you outsource that completely to your you know, family physician who only has five minutes to look at that? You need to take control of your life and become the CEO of your health. And that's what we do at Next Health. We give people the control back and we give them the tools they need to be optimally healthy.
0: Oh, I love that so much, and as you know, I was recently there. Haven't had my follow up yet to know what everything means, but I'm I was uh, I was inspired to become the CEO of my health. The KPI nugget uh, really really stuck with me after after we met you. So now you've been mm. an entrepreneur, you've been a founder for a pretty long time, and I'm curious, you know, what was the journey like from going to medical school, becoming a doctor, and then deciding I'm going to become a founder, right? Lots of people have dreams of starting a business. How are you able to navigate that transition um, from like the medical space, which is obviously very different into the space of being a founder?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been, I've been a founder now for 30 years and i founded many businesses. And what I can tell you is, um, especially in the medical world, like you don't get one thing, another thing, you don't even learn, you don't learn about how to be healthy, but you also don't learn about how to start, manage, run, exit a business. Like those are things that they never, ever teach you, right? So I had no knowledge. But what I could tell you is that the things that helped me on my journey was, this was even before like we had, like extreme access to think 30 years ago, like we didn't have the access we do now to education materials over the internet. Right. But there were always books. So I just continually self-educated myself. So as I was going through my medical career, I would read every book I could on managing and running a business. And I decided probably about three years into my, um, into my medical career that I would start my own practice and just go off on my own and do my own thing, mainly because and I think this is key too, as an entrepreneur, I saw lots of problems that needed to be solved, right? So if you're in any industry, if you could find a problem that needs a solution, you have a business, right? And so, so in medicine, and especially in surgery, there are a lot of problems that that were like really bad that needed to be solved. And so I was like, I'm just going to do it. And then so anytime you can find a solution to a problem and put it out there, guarantee someone's going to buy it. And that's what happened in my first business. And so then I just kept educating myself on like, how do I run a business? And how do I, how do I make this? a business that is sustainable and then eventually sellable as well. And so it was a long process because I didn't have any business education. I actually went back to Harvard Business School and took an executive education class to become an alumni of Harvard Business School and also Stanford University business programs as well. So I learned so much from those educational journeys as well.
0: Oh, first of all, congratulations! That is so impressive. I love your commitment to learning and just you know deepening your no- knowledge of so many different topics. But I love that you said if you can identify a problem, you and a solution to the problem, you have a business, right? So our problem that we are solving with Full Plate Full Cup is that really busy, really successful people have a hard time finding any semblance of balance. In their lives. So got to ask you the question, right? With all that you do with a family, with, you know, your commitment to your health, how do you commit to, as we would say, keeping your cup full, even though we know that your plate is very, very full?
1: Yeah, that, that's such a great question. And so what I would say is, look, it's always going to be a constant struggle, right? Because we're all getting pulled in different directions all the time. But I think what happens is when you're running a business, you end up deprioritizing yourself and and you, you have to make yourself an equal priority to your business because you just have to come to the realization that your business is not going to survive if you don't survive. And if you mm-hmm. You are, and the more full your cup is, the better your business is going to do. Right. And so until you have that feeling, I and mean, you know, like, you know, when your cup is full, right? Like, it's just a feeling you get. It doesn't matter how many massages you get a month or how many minutes you spent in the sauna or whatever, you know, like you, you have that feeling in your heart and in your soul and in your brain that I have a full cup and I'm so happy and excited to do this business. Right. So until you get there, you got to constantly keep putting those things in. And so that's what I do. I, I constantly put those things in, like, you know, whenever, like, I don't know about you guys, but if I don't work out for a week, I feel horrible. Right. And so
2: yes,
1: (laughs) like, I'm like, I can't like my, my rule is I don't even open my email until my workout is done. Mm. And then that's, that's the rule I have for my life and it works great. And so I just put like little habits in, um, habit stacking is a big thing for me as well. Like I build upon one good habit. I put another one on and then I just keep doing it until my cup is full. And the minute I start feeling my cup is not full, I'm like, okay, I need to make an adjustment. I'll like, Called office, cancel my meetings, (laughs) time time for an adjustment here. So that's kind of my strategy is just having an internal radar of when my cup is full. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you just mentioned the phrase habit stacking, which I've heard before, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Would you mind describing habit stacking and sharing a bit more in detail about how you personally use it to keep your cup full?
1: Yes. Okay. So let's take a step back. So every entrepreneur, in my opinion, needs to become a habit-making genius, okay? And so there's lots of books out there on how to make habits. There's one I really like called the power of habit. And there's three kind of big picture items that you know need to know about making habits. Okay. One is start small. So if you're trying to get a workout routine as part of your habit, don't start off with like an hour in the gym as the habit, because that's never going to be something that you can commit to or build to just start off with like, I'm going to do five pushups a day. Right. And then Automatically, once you start doing five push ups a day, you're going to want to do 10. Then you're going to want to do 15. Then you're going to want to add some sit ups to it. And then you're going to want to add a run to it. And like that's how you build upon it. So, number one, start small. Number two is habit stack. And habit stack means once you have a habit in place, put another one right after it. So, morning routines are perfect examples of this. So, for example, I started my morning routine with just a cup of coffee every morning, a cup of black coffee. Then I put MCT oil in it. Then I Bought this thing called a five-minute journal, and I fill this journal out for five minutes every morning, which helps with visualization and positive attitude, et cetera. And then I started adding in on top of that was that exercise routine: five push-ups, ten push-ups, and that's habit stacking. Because what what'll happen is. You know, you'll dedicate more and more time to this routine and you just fit in as many things as you can into that time period that you have. And then the last thing about making good habits is for every good habit you have, you wanna give yourself a reward after it. So you have something that you look forward to, right? So whatever you do your morning routine, there should be some little reward at the end of it I mean, part of it's gonna be just feeling great that you got it done, but if you give yourself that reward, it's it's um even it'll ingrain it into your brain that um that this is something that you that you wanna keep doing, right?
2: Yes. What what
0: made a reward look like?
1: Ah, okay, so a spoonful of peanut butter. <laughs>
0: Uh, amanda we were, we hey. just, before we started recording uh dr sean i were uh reminiscing over our love for a spoonful of peanut butter as just like the perfect little satiating treat with almost no guilt right. <laughs> unless you're sensitive to peanut butter which i just found out that i am so <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah you
0: still have a jar to finish amanda it's all good no, i do
1: Right. So something that, you know, is going to make you happy and something that, you know, that you kind of will look forward to, Um, you know, even just like going outside in nature for a few minutes and, and just doing a breath work, like that could feel so good. And I think it's personalized for everybody and there's different rewards you can make for yourself, but those are like easy examples.
2: I love that. I love the idea of getting outside, right? Yeah. Easy. So. Something that I've learned from you that was quite shocking to me and that I imagine would be quite shocking to a lot of people is what optimal exercise looks like. So, Mm -hmm. especially, so I'm in my mid 30s. A lot of our listeners are in their mid 30s. And we came into adulthood during a time when it was like, you need to hit the gym for two hours, you need to go to your sew cycle class, and then your power yoga class, and then this and that, right? And we, a lot of us were overworking our bodies, myself included. And so, when you shared (laughs) what optimal exercise looked like, it blew my mind. Would you go into that in a bit of detail for our listeners?
1: Yes. So I think you said one thing that's key. We know unequivocally in the science that you need a much smaller dose of exercise than what we've been doing for the last few decades. So like, all these hour long workout sessions on a treadmill machine or, you know, in spin class or spending an hour and a half lifting weights. Like it's just a complete overdose of exercise. And when you overdose and exercise, I see this in my athlete patients all the time, your inflammation levels go through the roof, your joints start breaking down. It's actually deleterious to overdose and exercise for most people, but that doesn't mean like don't do the marathon or don't do the triathlon. Like people need things to train for and give themselves a goal, but that's different, right? You don't have to do that level of training every day for the rest of your life. You really just need a much, much smaller dose of exercise to be healthy. And the research on this mostly comes from the research on HIIT, high intensity intermittent training. And it's very clear. You only need a minimum amount of exercise per day to have the same effects on your physiology, things like your VO2 levels, your muscle mass, your fat mass, all of that on a on a daily or every other day basis. So let's dive into that a little bit more. So um, with hit high-intensity intermittent training, you need about 20 minutes of that on an every other day basis. So that's like almost nothing, right? So one protocol that I like to use that's in the literature that I use for myself is Six sprint intermittent training. So that's where you maximize your heart rate for 45 seconds. And then you take a four minute break and you do that three reps, right? So what does that equal to? 15 minutes of exercise a day. That's all. And you can do that on a bike. You can do that on a treadmill. You can do that outside running. You can do that on whatever machine you want. But as long as your heart rate goes up to max, goes back down to rest for four minutes, and then you do that three times, you're done. And that is almost the same benefit on your VO2 as running hours and hours in the treadmill day after day.
0: (laughs) You just literally changed a lot of people's lives. You gave a lot of freedom and time back to some folks who, you know, it's different when you're like, I'm so excited to train for this race. I want to, you know, I want to challenge. I want a mental challenge versus like, well, I'm going to get on the treadmill at the gym and put my towel over the numbers so I can't see it and watch Bravo while I pound away, right? Like people aren't doing that for the joy of, of a challenge, right? They're literally like, well, I got to get it in. It's got to be at least 50 minutes, whatever the thing is. I used to be that person on the, the elliptical machine, you know? Oh it was gosh. Just like, I know, which yeah. is so bad for your joints anyway. But so hopefully a lot of people will take that to heart and really understand it's like quality, not quantity.
1: Exactly. It's absolutely about quality. And actually the quantity is harming us, believe it or not. And so the second part of this is super important, especially after the age of 35, is you have to have some strength training. We are physiologically programmed to break down muscle as we get older for energy. And we have to reverse that trend. And guess what? Your metabolism lives in your muscle. Your bone stays healthy when your muscles are healthy. So you prevent osteoporosis as well. And your brain is healthier when your muscles are healthy too. So everything's interconnected, right? So you got to treat your muscles well, and you have to put strength training in. So I know so many people that just do like the 50 minutes cardio and that's it. And to them, that's like, health. it's not working. Um, you have to do at least 20 to 30 minutes of heavy weight lifting. So lift weights that are a little bit heavy for you and progressively add on and do that on a every other day or three time a week basis as well. And you only have to do it for 15, 20 minutes as well.
2: I think what's so beautiful about what you shared, whether about exercising, your five minute journal, getting outside for a few minutes is these are things that are not going to take up half of your day, right? Everyone has three minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes to take small actions that are going to have a huge impact on their health.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like what better thing is there than to like get your time back, but make your health better. Right. And so you really just like doing some of these things and kind of changing your mindset. Like, you know, like being healthy is not about spending hours and hours and hours trying to be healthy. It's just about doing the right things for the right amount of time.
0: Yeah. So you've already given us so many amazing tips, tricks, et cetera, related to health and wellness, but You know, when when Rebecca and I attended your your lecture, we got to hear so, so much more. I mean, I did a lot of things after that speech. I bought some things. I, you know, made my next health appointment. But I'm curious of things you haven't shared yet. What are two or three tips that our audience, which is time-strapped, hardworking, you know, like very busy people can actualize to optimize their health and longevity?
1: Yeah, I will give you a few. But let me give you some of the ones that'll make the biggest difference. Okay, so we we all know exactly. So we all know, let's talk about brain health. We all know that meditation helps our brain, right? However, meditation, I know, man is like, yes, and I love (laughs) meditation. I absolutely do, but meditation is hard for a lot of people, right? True. And so, you know, you, you have to go through lots of different versions. Like maybe you try guided, maybe you try breathwork, maybe you do TM and, and, and you finally find something that works and meditation does take up you know, quite a bit of time, like, especially with TM, if you're doing 40 minutes twice a day, that's a lot of time. Most people don't have the time to do that. And it's hard because when you're sitting there and you have a million things on your brain, it's just hard, right? Okay. So what can we do instead that is almost the same effect as a breathwork practice. Mm. So having a five to eight minute, and there's YouTube videos all over the internet about having a good eight minute breathwork practice will have almost the same effect as meditation does on your brain. So, so try that if you're struggling with meditation and if you're meditating, keep doing it, of course, but you know, if you haven't even considered any of this, try, try meditation because you know, the benefits for the people that really get to do it on a regular basis and do it right. Everyone you talk to is like, this changed my life. And it does, it changes, changes your life. Right. So that's one brain health. Let's talk about your gut. Okay. How do we keep our gut healthy? Well, we all know, like, and, If you don't know this, you need to know this: is that processed food and sugar is killing every system in our body. So you have to try to eliminate those. But what can you do beyond that? The one thing I would say is that none of us get enough fiber in our diets. Okay, and so it's really hard to get enough fiber unless you're the person that's like you know eating three salads a day. You're not getting enough fiber in your diet. And so it's really easy to just get a fiber supplement and put in your morning shake, or even like there's soluble ones out there, like inulin that you can put in your coffee, that is so easy. If you can get an additional 20 grams of fiber in your diet a day, it's going to have massive, massive health benefits for you. So that's tip number two. Let's talk about tip number three, which is let's talk about uh, cardiac health. Okay. So how do we keep your heart healthy? Number one is gonna be that sprint intermittent training that I told you about, doing that on an every other day basis. But once you hit 40, you have to be really, really good about becoming the CEO of your own health and understanding your biomarkers around your heart. And the one thing is your cholesterol level. Don't leave it to anyone else to know what your cholesterol level is and how to make it better. You have to do it on your own. You have to watch this on every, I would say, you know, I tell my patients, watch your biomarkers on a quarterly basis, right? And so we talk about cholesterol levels we talk about hemoglobin a1c which is measure of your sugar level there's only four or five you really need to know and you can ask your doctor or go to any lab or even buy these things online where you can check these on a every three month four month or six month basis at the minimum and really understand what those numbers are and so when you start seeing those numbers creep up right just like kpi you watch for the change you want to like start getting them back to normal, not, you don't want to know when you're like in bankruptcy, right? You want to know when, when you're headed away. And so knowing your, those indicators are, are very helpful and LDL cholesterol is one massive indicator that everyone over 35 needs to start fixing because we know 30 years before you have a heart attack, if you're going to have a heart attack. And the way we mm-hmm. know looking at your cholesterol level, why do you want to like find out all of a sudden when you start having chest pain or you have a heart attack that oops, my cholesterol was too high for a long time. Is you, you want to know that way ahead of time, right? So yeah. make sure you measure these biomarkers. And if anyone out there has not had their biomarkers done, I can give you guys a list of the key ones and you can put in the show notes and everyone can get those done with their doctor. They're yep. readily available and insurance covers them.
2: That would be fantastic. We'll definitely list those in the show notes. So now everyone has one tip for brain, gut, and cardiac health to walk away with. So now that you are a 30-year seasoned entrepreneur, I'm sure you have learned so much over those three decades. What is one thing that you wish you knew at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey that you would love to share with anyone out there who wants to become an entrepreneur or is a new entrepreneur themselves?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Okay. So maybe I'll, yeah, I could share a couple, I could probably 50 things. But oh, like, I bet. The things that made the biggest difference that I learned like 10 years later than I wish I had learned it was when you're building a business, try to build it with the lens of how am I going to sell this business one day? Right. And you don't even ever have to sell your business. That's not the point. The point is not that you want to like sell your business at some point, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but if you build it with that lens, you'll always be making the right decisions, mm-hmm. right? If you're looking at your business. Like how would a potential buyer look at the way I solve this problem or the way I'm handling this issue or the infrastructure I have in place for this, right? If you know, you're building a business on like a really wobbly infrastructure, you don't know no one's going to buy your business, right? Cause the minute you leave the business is going to fall apart. Right. And so always having that lens of what makes a business sellable. What is the infrastructure? What is the the problem solutions? What is the documentation? There's a great book called E-Myth about documenting your business. If you build it with that lens, you're going to build a really strong business. And so I wish I learned that a long time ago. Now, every business I build has that end in mind for sure.
0: So smart. Now we just have one final question before we go into our rapid fire and get you back on your feet so you're not sitting for too long on on our account. So Um, what is your hope for the future of the medical industry?
1: Well, my hope, which is 100%, I think gonna be the reality is, is that we're gonna change our perspective on what we consider the medical industry. And what's gonna happen is, universally, we're going to recognize that the Western medical system is built for emergencies and really bad things that happen in your health, right? It's going to have to become preventative and root cause because if it's not, the world is going to go bankrupt, you know? And so we can't can't allow that to happen, right? And what's going to happen is we're going to change our perspective. We're going to change... The way people interact with their own health. And so, like becoming the CEO of their own health, being preventative, attacking things at their root cause, and people are going to become healthier for longer. They're going to improve their health span. And right at that moment, we're also going to learn how to increase our lifespan at a cellular level. So we're gonna figure out, there's there's eight hallmarks of aging that happen at a cellular level. We're gonna figure out how to treat all of those eight with science so that we can literally stop and even turn back aging. And that's all gonna happen much sooner than you can imagine is gonna happen. <laughs> I I think it may even happen during our lifetimes um, and I'm super excited about it. But the key is right now, we already have the tools and the knowledge to improve our health and improve our health span. So the key is get yourself in the healthiest possible state you can so you can live long enough to potentially take advantage of these lifespan extending technologies that are coming at us in the next few decades.
0: Yeah, so all we need in this world is for this to happen and then for us to figure out how to save the environment. Because if we can save the people and, and the planet, we we'll be good to go, and then we won't have to feel guilty for our uh for our children that we're leaving <laughs> behind on this planet, right? It's like,
1: whew. well, I mean, I think as far as saving the environment too, I think it's we already know how to do it. Like, yeah. we just You're gotta right. do it, right? It's the same it. with our yeah. health. We already yeah. know how to do it, gotta do it right? Bingo. The population, when things keep going in the wrong direction, like we have no choice but to turn things around. Hopefully, yeah. just do it sooner rather than later, right? Yes,
2: yes, for sure. So yeah. we have three rapid fire questions to finish off with. What is, then we ask them to everyone. So what is one tip for working smart?
1: I'll get a walking desk.
2: Beautiful. Love that. (laughs) And what is one tip for working happy?
1: Self-care one day, no matter what, every week.
2: Yes. And finally, where can our listeners find you?
1: Ah, so i have an, it's at uh darshan Shah MD Um so I'm getting better and better posting my tips on the Instagram. <laughs> That's
2: amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'll be launching a website too, is dr hcom with all my information on it, all the tips, etc., will all be there. So I have this thing called a wellness wheel. It's the 12 aspects of your health that I showed you. Mm -hmm. So I have like, what I've done is I've really consolidated for my patient, the information into these 12 aspects. And then what is the Pareto principle, the three or four things that will really move the needle on all 12 aspects of your health. So I'm going to put all that on my website, drshaw.com.
0: Amazing. Beautiful. Well, we are so grateful that you were here with us today. We know that our listeners are going to take away so many great tips, just like we did when we got to see you a few weeks ago. And um, when does your site go live?
1: Um, In the next three or four days. Oh,
0: okay. all right. By the time everyone listens to this, the site will be live and they can go and get all of the information if they, you know, what they got here was just a taste test and they can get everything uh, on your site, drshaw.com. Thank you so much yeah. for being here with us.
1: You are so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Full
2: Plate, Full Cup. If you found this episode helpful, please make sure to subscribe, leave a
0: review, and share it with a friend. To learn more about the Full Plate, Full Cup methodology or to work with us in a more personal way, find us on Instagram at Full Cup. that's at F-U-L-L-P-L-A-T-E, F-U-L-L-C-U-P, or online at www.fullplatefullcup.com. www.fu.ll